0: There had been abuse in my family, uh, but it was mostly musical in nature.
1: Are you ready to get your world rocked? Ready! Are you ready to get your mind blown?
2: Do it! One, two, three, four!
1: For more than 25 years, the annual South by Southwest Conference has been the place to hear artists on the cutting edge of music. But with more than 2,000 performances, sorting the noteworthy from the just plain noisy is no small task. I'm Jim DeRogatis. And I'm Greg Kott. We brave the crowds down in Austin, Texas, and
0: are ready to report to you the next crop of Need to Know bands. Plus, Blue-Eyed Soul singer Nick Waterhouse. That's all coming up on Sound Opinions. You're listening to Sound Opinions, Jim, and this is one of our favorite shows of the year because we get to recap the South by Southwest Music Conference in Austin, Texas. We've been going since the early '90s. You know, we're tired, we're exhausted,
1: but you know, we I, sound really bad. this We're week. still pretty pumped up, right? I mean, we, yeah. we saw some great music down there. We saw some great music, and I was just remembering the first year I went. Ann Richards, the governor of Texas, was the keynote speaker. <laughs> I will never forget her holding a little press conference afterwards. We, we were asking her questions about Austin and music, and she kept interrupting and saying, "Wait a minute, wait a minute, let me get this." Y'all are paid to write about music? (laughs) It's 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 something I still ask myself with with amazement every day. So, we're going to get to some great stuff from this year's conference, but first, some music news. Oh, man. That is Raw Power by Iggy and the Stooges, the third album from that incredibly influential band. That song infamous, of course, for James Williamson's guitar, but I think just as important for the rhythms. They came from Scott Ashton, the drummer on all three of those first Stooges albums. He died recently at the age of 64. You know, between 1967 when the band formed outside Ann Arbor and 1974 when it kind of split up for good, Scott Ashton manned the drums and powered that group. Those 3 Stooges albums laid the foundations for punk rock and it all started really primitively. They didn't even have a drum set when they started out, so Scott Ashton would bang on 50-gallon oil drums in the garage as Iggy was up front and his brother Ron Ashton was on guitar. Ron later moves to bass for that raw power album. You know, Scott came back when the group reunited, originally with his drummer back in the fold, and then with James Williamson and he was touring in recent years. He did a lot of great stuff that that never really rose above footnote status, but but you and I own those records. Mm-hmm. Stuff like Dark Carnival and Sonic's Rendezvous Band, but he'll forever be remembered for the first three Stooges albums because he took that bo diddly rhythm, filtered it through the Velvet Underground, what Maureen Tucker was doing, and sped it up with punk aggression, and then every drummer in punk rock since has paid tribute to him one way or another by stealing that rhythm. Just listen to this song from 1969, the song 1969 from the Stooges' first album. You'll hear what I mean about those tom-toms. My God, what a punishing beating he is giving those drums. Scott Ashton with Iggy and the Stooges, 1969 from the Stooges' debut on Sound Opinion
3: it's 1969, okay walk across the USA It's another year for me and you Another year with nothing to do It's another year for me and you Another year with nothing to do Oh, my.
0: That's the Stooges with 1969 in memory of the great drummer Scott Ashton, dead at the age of 64.
2: Black Hole Sun, will you come
0: That is Black Hole Sun by Soundgarden from the 1994 Super Unknown album. It was released the same day as Nine Inch Nails The Downward Spiral. Both albums celebrating their 20th anniversary. This year. I think in 94, if these two bands had gone on tour, as they have just announced they will tour this summer together, it would have made a lot of sense. But, you know, a lot of things have happened since 1994. Chris Cornell is pretty excited about this tour. He says, you know, the idea of collaborating with Trent Reznor sounds pretty intriguing to me. You know, I, I, I liked this band back in the day. But uh, he might want to talk to Reznor before he decides to collaborate, because Reznor had some unkind words to say about Chris Cornell's solo record from 2009, Scream. Jim, you and I did not like this record either. We asked Reznor about it because he tweeted about it. It was kind of a hit fest fest when we were all talking about it, yeah. And here's what Reznor had to say on Sound Opinions about that Cornell solo record. I don't know, Chris. I do know what label he's on now, and I do know who's whispering in his ear.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Interscope, that would be. your yeah. former, yeah.
0: And heavily on the, on the With Teeth
2: album, I turned that record in, and I would get back. Maybe we need to put some beats on this record.
0: <laughs> I'm, I'm not making this up. And I believe making, you. And I, I'm sure there was someone whispering in Cornell's thing, and he can put that off as some kind of socio cultural <laughs> experiment but what it was was a money grab yeah and yeah. when you do that but you're, failed you're saying to other people that look up to you yeah it's okay to do that and it, it's not okay to do that and
2: you well, should he be called us, he gave
1: him. us something historic i mean it is one of the worst albums of all time and yeah. that's a real accomplishment impressively bad
0: you're listening to sound opinions i'm greg Kot with jim Dirigatis. and each year jim and i go to the south by southwest music conference in austin texas This has been going on since 1987, this particular conference. It started with 700 people. It was a fairly regional type of deal until the mid-'90s. The new music seminar in New York City went away, and Austin became the center of the music universe for one week in the middle of March each year ever since. 2,000 bands performing at clubs across town. Every mover and shaker in the industry is here, in addition to thousands of fans. Tens of thousands of people register, and you get everything from the most obscure baby bands to huge headliners like Lady Gaga and Coldplay and Jay-Z. And this year was no exception. Bigger in many ways, better. Well, that's a question that has a complex answer.
1: Greg, it'll forever be known as the uh, the first South by Southwest that resulted in fatalities. There was a drunk driver who tried to elude a police checkpoint, sped down at high speed the wrong way down a one-way street, plowed into a crowd, 23 people taken to the hospital, five of them in critical condition. Two of them died on the scene. A third died a few days later. A real tragedy, and I think that some people had this knee-jerk reaction saying instantly South by Southwest has gotten too big. I interviewed several of the, uh, off the record, for background, several of the founders of the festival, and they're saying, you know, it's become like Daytona. The problem is not the registrants for the conference. It's the hundreds of thousands of people who come to party. We originally set it up during University of Texas's spring break because they all went to the beach, all the kids, right? Now nobody goes to the beach. They all come to Texas, including the kids who live in Florida and California. And even if the conference stopped tomorrow, you'd still have a party with hundreds of thousands of people because the brands have descended. These big Mm. corporate brands that are throwing parties that are not really part of the conference, but are adjacent to it and building on their buzz.
0: Yes, they're coattail riding on what's going on at the festival, and they are drawing huge crowds as a result with these marquee name performers. Lady Gaga, for one, uh, she did double duty at the festival. Not only did she perform a show... For a big corporation to the tune of two point five million dollars reports are saying she also gave the keynote address now she bristled a little bit about her tie-ins with these corporate sponsors one of the big criticisms was that she was making her fans jump through all these hoops and become complicit with the snack food company in other words part of their advertising they had to do some social media work in order to gain access To her performance, you know, pretty despicable. Some people called her out on it and she bristled at that at her keynote address. Here's what she had to say about it.
3: The truth is that without sponsorships, without these companies coming together to help us, we won't have any more artists in Austin. We won't have any festivals because record labels don't have any money.
0: That's Gaga talking about her corporate sponsorship with a snack food company, but in her keynote address, Jim, she goes on to say, hey, you've got to be independent. You can't be answering to these corporations. That's how I started my career. I did exactly what I wanted to do, and I didn't want to answer to anybody. So which is it, Lady Gaga? Do you answer to the corporations and take their money, or do you do it independently?
1: You can't have it both ways. But let's get to the good stuff, Greg. Let's get to the music. You and I are both going to share some of our favorite discoveries as we do every year. I saw this band on the first night I arrived Tuesday. Liked them so much. Went to see them again Wednesday. They were a quintet from Sydney, Australia called The Preachers. I was talking to some music journalists from Australia. Australian radio mainstream uh, music media is dominated right now by bubblegum in a way that far surpasses even the U.S., you know, with the Taylor Swifts and the One Directions and all that. And there is a little bit of bubblegum pop to The Preachers, but there also is a lot of 80s new wave, Chrissy Hind, Debbie Harry, courtesy of this great, cool, disconnected, kind of sarcastic front woman. Izzy Manfredi and, and it's this wonderful pop sound That's part garage, part punk And part modern bubblegum pop They have only one EP out so far Is This How You Feel I want to play that title track from it There's going to be more music coming They've gotten signed, the full album is coming down the road Let's listen to this though first The Preachers' Is This How You Feel From the 2013 EP On Sound Dependence Bright
3: lines, you know right I'm gonna see her again tonight. And now you got me started.
0: Is this how you feel from The Preachers, one of Jim DeRogatis' picks from the South by Southwest Music Conference? I also caught a little bit of The Preachers, Jim, and uh, they're exactly as you describe. It is good to see. You know, Australia has this great tradition of hard rock and punk bands, and maybe it's not so ascendant now, but it's good to see a band sort of keeping that torch lit. Uh, Which
1: is your way of saying there's a little ACDC in there, so you're happy? A little bit. A little bit of that. Very
0: cool. Here's an artist that was uh, the talk of South by Southwest in certain quarters, Moses Sumney. And uh, it's remarkable in a way because he doesn't even have a record out, yet he's already attracting this kind of attention. He deserves it. He's uh, well over six feet tall. He comes from an African background, went to UCLA, wanted to write, was a, was a writer, you know, had, was steep in telling stories. And his lyrics reflect that. Only learned to play guitar a couple of years ago, but he's developed this uh, beautiful... ...finger-picking style on acoustic guitar, and he's got these delicate falsetto vocals floating over the top. Then he does this thing in concert where he'll, he'll loop, like, hand claps and finger snaps... ...and various percussion instruments that he's creating, a human beatbox kind of effects with his mouth, for example... And, and layers them underneath the vocals. A very cool touch. Can't wait to see what he does once he gets into an actual studio. But meanwhile, the stuff that's floating out there on the net is attracting all sorts of attention. Um, his audience for one show that I attended included uh, the Columbia Records talent scout Mark Williams, who's been around for a couple of decades, signed a number of notable acts, going back to the Smashing Pumpkins in the 90s. And pulp singer Jarvis Cocker was a very interested Onlooker as well, so he's attracting a lot of attention. This guy will be signed, I think, in the next few months, if not weeks. Meanwhile, there's a few tracks to play. One of them is Alchemy from Moses Sumney on Sound Opinions.
3: I see the way it's like a glassy crystal. You got a dream for me, one that I don't know. What can I be if I sleep in your shadow? I guess you're the chemist and I'm just the chemical oh, 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 alchemy. Yeah. But from your magic, you make me transform. Read my tragic into a better form. Y'all you know it's best is a test of your power I'll be a seed that your feet are cower Alchemy Satisfy can you create life from that which has died?
0: that's Moses Sumney with a track called Alchemy on Sound Opinions coming up on Sound Opinions we'll continue our running down the best of the South by Southwest music conference and later, we'll, we'll review a new album from soul singer Nick Waterhouse. That's in a minute on sound opinions from WBEZ Chicago and PRX. And boy,
3: reject, dolly, no one could be me better than myself Out to me.
1: And I'm here on 6th Street in Austin, Texas on Wednesday night, and I had a phenomenal night. I had a night where everything was better than I'd even expected it to be, and I also had some surprises. I saw a phenomenal band from England called Woman's Hour, which is the young woman, and uh, her brother is on guitar. Dream Pop, Electronic, a little bit of Bjork, but a lot of soul, almost as if the weekend was doing this dream pop soul thing with a little Charday. You know, this is the sort of night to remind you why you came here. This Jim Deer got us in the belly of the music industry beast, South by Southwest for my 21st year. Can't wait to hear what Cot came up with.
0: Welcome back to Sound Opinions. I'm Greg Cott. That was Jim DeRigatis. And, Jim, you're going to hear what I had came up with in a few minutes. But uh, yeah. uh, you were in the belly of the beast. You're right on 6th Street. You can hear the noise uh, in the background. It's like 2 in the morning, right? And it's still, I, I know. It is
1: still going strong I'm paying out there. for it now, but I'm, I'm still high on the music. Greg, this is not a discovery so much as a reconnection that I'm going to play next. Cindy Lee Berryhill, I first wrote about her in 1985 with a song that she wrote called Damn, I Wish I Was a Man on the compilation The Radio Tokyo Tapes Volume 3. She was hanging out with all these West Coast punk bands like the Minutemen, right, who all did acoustic covers, but she was an acoustic artist. In fact, a few years after that debut, she would become a key part of what would be called the anti-folk movement. Artists like Paleface, Brenda Kahn, Michelle Shock. And it all paved the way for Beck. This weird kind of—it's folk music, but it's not really, because it's informed by all these other things, and it's a little twisted and weird. Cindy Lee spent the last uh, decade or two with Paul Williams, the rock critic that we paid tribute to a few months ago. He died, you know. She's his survivor, and now she is back to making music and writing about what it's like to, after the the loss of your soulmate, return to dating which is incredibly frank and honest she played with what she called her garage orchestra we had a vibraphone we had percussion we had cello and it was kind of fleshed out she was playing these new songs about this trepidatious move toward trying to connect with people romantically again to continue her life and noticing that on match.com and in the world in general there are two types of people there are cat people and there are dog people now in the Strong hands. This could be precious. This could be twee. Cindy just has this charm, though, that she can sell a song like this. And if you think about it, it really is true. And of all the arbitrary things that you can choose about, you know, how will I connect with this person, whether they're a cat person or a dog person or or me, none of the above. I'm really <laughs> allergic to both. It's is pretty good. So this is an album that's going to be coming out hopefully later in the year via Kickstarter. I Like Cats by Cindy Lee Berryhill on Sound Opinions. One, two,
2: three. Thank you
1: Cindy Lee Berryhill with "I Like Cats," hopefully from an album we'll hear later this year. Greg, what do you got for
0: us? Jim, you and I both saw this band at South by Southwest, and they made quite an impression. Temples out of the UK, no yes. less, no less an authority than Noel Gallagher of Oasis. You know, is there more? No more authoritative taste maker in England than Noel Gallagher, right? Says they're the best new band out of the UK. You can take that with a grain of salt, but they do owe something to that Brit pop movement from the 90s that Oasis led. They also hearken back to that early 90s British shoegaze movement, those big oceanic guitars. They love to dive into that deep pool where they create these swirling rhythms. But the other element that I think made them stand apart from all of that was the swagger. There's a sexiness in there. You know, the singer, James Bagshaw, if you just took a quick glimpse at him from a distance, you go, wow, like guy kind of looks like Mark Bolin of T-Rex. Mm-hmm. He's got a little bit of that sexiness to him, and, and they brought that to their vocals and also to that rhythmic underpinning. They've got a debut album out now called Sun Structures, and here's a track from it called Shelter Song from Temples on Sound Opinions. Shelter song from a new band out of the UK called Temples that we like at South by Southwest.
1: Jim, what do you got next? Yeah, I did like that band a lot, Greg. We were both there. And I know you I always get that that you know, you have this evil look when you see me come into a club or vice versa. And I don't mind. You know, it's like it's not like we're we're competitors anymore. I mean we're both gonna share the love of this music, you know, but I'm glad you talked about them. I had a complete and utter surprise. I was at a club waiting for the show by Woman's Hour, which I spoke about earlier via that tape. And in the back, you know, in Austin, they just kind of throw open the back and put a tent over it. The back like patio outside the club. And then that's like two venues, right? Hmm. The venue inside and the venue outside. There's this band that had come all the way from Budapest, Hungary and there's five of them plus they have like two or three people with them to sell their buttons and their CDs right I was blown like like how much effort did it take to come from halfway around the world and you know there's no like Hungarian Arts Council grant or anything mm-hmm. the, the blood sweat and tears for this band to come to play to almost nobody and if I wasn't there you know I don't know if anybody would have written about them but they were extraordinary the energy of the early flesh tones when they were taking that 60s garage rock and revving it up to punk rock overdrive and you know jumping in the crowd and the hand claps and everybody has to chant and the you know the tambourine becomes the dominant instrument mm-hmm. you know a wheezing Vox Continental Farfisa organ sound a little bit of metal edge guitar the the only guy who didn't look like he could have been on a 1965 Rolling Stones album cover was the guitarist who some for some reason was wearing kiss like spiked shoulder pads <laughs> I you know I, I have no idea what passes for for retro 60s fashion in in Budapest but it was just this crazy stew and, a, and an explosion of energy and then it was over and you think and then tomorrow they're going back to Hungary right mm-hmm. i bought a cd i was way down with them and i said i have to play this so this is from their 2012 album mama don't you recognize Ivan and the Parazol? They have a new album out. The, the lead singer, Ivan Vitaris, apparently was unaware that this was what He said, we will have our new album in March. Mm-hmm. I was like, Ivan, it is March. Like, we're seeing you on the 16th or whatever. I don't know. There was no new album, but there was this album. They played this song in concert. It was great. 1965 by Ivan and the Parasol on Sound Opinions.
2: Near me destroying
1: By Ivan and the Parazol—that's P-A-R-A-Z-O-L. Greg, you know you—you sh- should have seen them. You would have <laughs> loved that keyboard sound.
0: So many bands, so little time, Jim. That's what I have to say. People ask us, how do you find out out of those two thousand bands who do you figure out to go see? I'll tell you some of the ways we find out. Somebody like Jeff Travis, who you respect, a talent scout that goes way back. I mean, here's the guy that signed The Smiths, right, to right, their right. original contract. He knows a thing or three. He about knows music. a few yeah, things. Yeah. He comes over and, you know, he'll ask you, like, what have you seen? And I'll tell you, and I'm, yeah. I'm trying to impress Jeff Travis with what I've seen.
1: Not going to work. I got a band for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You
0: know? And I'd heard a little bit about Benjamin Booker, the artist that I'm going to play next. Jeff Travis has, in fact, signed this artist to his label and is putting out a record by him later in the year. But I didn't really have a sense of what he was all about until I saw... Benjamin Booker Live. It's a duo type of situation. Benjamin Booker, this New Orleans singer-songwriter, guitar and vocals over the top of some drums, and it is absolutely ferocious. Blues, soul, boogie combination. It reminded me a little bit of some of those Hound Dog Taylor records that Alligator Records here in Chicago was putting out in the early 70s, that house-rockin' blues boogie sound. Just very ramshackle, very raw, and and very in your face it sounded terrific at this outdoor stage where i saw benjamin booker perform as i said new record out later this year here's a track from it, violent shiver from benjamin booker on sound opinions
1: Shiver by Benjamin Booker, one of Greg Cotts' South by Southwest 2014 favorites. What about you? Did you make the pilgrimage to Austin? Share your experience or any of your sound opinions by calling 888-859-1800. We'll be back after a short break on sound opinions from WBZ Chicago and PRX with our final South by Southwest discoveries and the latest from Nick Waterhouse.
0: South by Southwest Music Conference. It's Thursday night. This is the birthplace of psychedelic music. And that tradition is alive and well. They have a psych fest here every year. And they had a band from Portland, Oregon, Blouse. Their take on psychedelia was to channel British shoegaze. Very reminiscent of Lush with that female vocalist on top of these cascading guitars and a driving rhythm section. There's a band Spires out of New York City that has a more melodic, harmony-drenched, take on psychedelia there was a band cosmonauts out of northern california that wants desperately to sound like the jesus and mary chain and spaceman three and we're doing a really good job of it and then topping the night off band out of japan bo Ningen. four guys hair cascading down their back down to their butts over the top stage show kind of these kabuki dance movements on top of these raging guitars and these kind of industrial rhythms, something you can't really translate on record. You have to see this band live. Thursday night, South by Southwest in Austin, Texas.
1: Welcome back to Sound Opinions. I'm Jim DeRogatis. You just heard Greg Cott in psychedelic glee after what was it called? Austin Psych Night or something. Yes. I decided that would be way too much of a cliche for me. So I was stumbling up and down 6th Street trying to find new discoveries, and I found some good ones Thursday night. My cliched night of the trip was when I saw the Lou Reed tribute. You know, I wanted a good musical wake for the late Lou Reed, and it was four hours of spectacular Lou Reed covers. Just an amazing thing to see. But the final discovery that I'm going to talk about is very much in the vein of those psychedelic bands you were talking about. Witches is a young trio from the UK that is steeped in that Jesus and Mary chain, early Pink Floyd, Spaceman 3 psychedelic drone. Isn't it weird, Greg, how sometimes these influences come out of the wash? Mm-hmm. Nobody's mentioned Spaceman 3 <laughs> in like 15 years. You and I loved them, right? And then suddenly like, wow, there's big influence again. It could have been derivative, but these kids were coming at it with such energy and excitement and such dedication to trying to destroy this club's sound system. You know, (laughs) my innards were vibrating physically. People were were, were heading to the door as fast as they possibly could. It was wonderful. I loved it because, you know, that psychedelic dreaminess coupled with the sonic aggression, that was something that a lot of bands missed when they tried to do Spaceman 3. It was in your face like punk, even if it was very slow and dreamy. This is a song called Digsaw by Witches, and that's W-Y-T-C-E-H, I should note, on Sound Opinions. Digsaw by Witches from the U.K., a cool psychedelic trio. Greg, still not even a full album out. We hope that there's one coming in 2014. The last discovery is yours. What is it? Jim,
0: I was so happy to see this band on uh, Saturday afternoon, last full day of the music conference. We'd been talking about them all week, our producer Jason Saldana and I, and Jason gives me a call while I'm over at the Austin Music Conference. They're on now. Come over here and see them. Middle of the day. It's raining in in Austin. It's kind of a dreary day. I walk into this dank club. There's maybe, what, 15, 20 people there, and they are just awesome. I'm so happy I'm there to see this set by this band out of Detroit, Proto Martyr. They have a singer, Joe Casey, who looks like a guy dressing it in my dad's clothes. He's at the, you know, the guy at the end of the bar talking to himself. Well, he's up on stage doing this thing, and the first thing I'm thinking is the Falls Marquis Smith. It's almost a sing-speak style of singing. Not only that, he seems to be glaring at something over the shoulder of his guitar player who's standing to his right. He's not really even looking at the audience. He's just sort of blurting out this stuff, and it's kind of this conversational tone, and all of a sudden he's lunging at you not not physically, but verbally, suddenly the voice rises and he just grabs you by the throat and he goes, whoa, this guy's agitated. And, and, and part of what he's singing about is what's going on in Detroit, what's going on in his own head or some combination of the two. You really get this sense of like this almost psychological journey with this guy. The band is terrific. They have a very minimalist kind of sound. The guitar player delivering all these kind of single note runs that suddenly crash into these chords behind the uh, rhythm section. Again, i like to make a comparison. Early Public Image Limited, that sort of post-punk British sound vaguely But uh, also a little bit of that Detroit garage punk in there as well. Every note counts. There's not a wasted note in this band's musical discography. And Casey is an arresting frontman, but basically doing the exact opposite of what every other frontman was doing at South by Southwest. Here's a track from the band Proto Martyr. Come and see on Sound Opinions. (laughs)
1: Come and see by proto-martyr Greg Cotts' final pick from South by Southwest 2014. To see our complete list, go to soundopinions.org. And to share yours, call 888-859-1800. It's
3: not that I'm gone, nor I've been hiding. Just all alone, I've been hiding.
0: You're listening to Sound Opinions. I'm Greg Kot with Jim DeRogatis, and that's a track called High Tiding from Nick Waterhouse and a new album called Holly. You know, Jim, people might ask us, like, whatever happens to those bands you hype after, South by Southwest, whatever happens to those bands you said are going to be the next big thing, or at least in your world are going to be? Well, Nick Waterhouse was one of those bands that I talked about from South by Southwest a couple years ago, really impressed with the live show, and uh, lo and behold, here he is with a new album out. Waterhouse grew up in Southern California, playing in bands there, went to college in San Francisco with the idea of getting a straight job. His parents were like, hey, you need to get a real job now, Nick. He was absolutely miserable. I decided, you know, I got to at least play music part of the time and uh, went back to his studio in Southern California to cut a track called Some Place. He was very steeped in old blues soul and swing records while he was in San Francisco, and he wanted to bring back some of that sound. Well, that record took off. His friends encouraged him to form a band to actually play out and publicize this single. So he put together a band, eventually cobbled together a debut album that became Times All Gone in 2012. And now, you know, some of his music is starting to pop up in commercials, and you're starting to hear a little bit more about this guy. He's very ambitious in the way he kind of delivers the music in terms of the band is oversized. He's got backup singers. He's got saxophones. He's trying to channel a little bit of what some of his heroes like Ray Charles did in the 50s or the great jazz pianist Mose Allison and bring that into the 21st century. He's got a new album called Holly. Here's a track from it called Dead Room from Nick Waterhouse on Sound Opinions.
1: That was Dead Room by Nick Waterhouse from the new album Holly. Greg, you, you can't hate this guy. He is borrowing from the best, you know. There's a lot of Stax Vault in there, a lot of Wilson Pickett, John Lee Hooker, Mose Allison, you mentioned, right? But it still is a little sterile sometimes, the way that Lenny Kravitz can be, you know what I mean? What I like about this record in particular is there's more grit than many retro revivalists, okay? I suppose you could listen to this whole show and call me inconsistent. I was talking about a band from the UK that's borrowing from Jesus and Mary Chain, and I loved it. Talking about a band that was doing the 1965 garage rock thing, and I loved it. There's just, you know, when I see Waterhouse doing his thing with the fashion, as cool as those horns are, and then it's in a TV commercial for a luxury automobile. (laughs) It's just like, honest to God, why you should play this before any record by Wilson Pickett or Moe's Allison. (laughs) There's 20 or 30 records you should play first before you get to Nick Waterhouse. So it's a try it for me.
0: Jim, I don't think you're giving him enough credit for the ambition he's shown in this record. He's got a little bit of that California noir thing in there. He's creating that sort of a scenario here, sort of the dark underbelly of Los Angeles and relating it to some of his experiences in this band. You know, the whole idea that good art should unbalance what the listener expects. And I think while there's this retro tag thrown at this guy, he's updating it in a way that, to me, is really interesting. What I like is that he's channeling the good stuff, that snap, that swing, that sense of surprise that is in the best of those old records. His version of Mose Allison's Let It Come Down I mean, here's a guy who's maturing before our eyes and ears. I thought the first record was pretty good. I think Holly's even better. I think it's a buy-it record.
1: So that's a try-it from me, a buy-it from you for the new Nick Waterhouse album, Holly. What do we have on the show next week, Greg? Next week, Jim, we're going to have a
0: discussion with the author of a definitive biography of the Allman Brothers and what will probably be the Allman Brothers' last year as a band together.
1: Greg, as always, we have some thank yous to say on the way out. Sound Opinions was produced by Jason Saldana, Robin Lynn, Anthony Martinez, and our intern, Jake Smith.
2: Line. Give me some time. I'm
3: in
0: on Sound Opinions, everyone's a critic, so give us a call on our hotline: 888 888-
2: New messages.
0: Hi,
1: this is Aaron Scheimer from Evanston, Illinois. And I was calling about the Minuteman show, the interview. Listening to Mike Watt, he's like a shaman, a rock and roll shaman.
2: I've learned that a record actually is work uh, in the noun. It's here after you're gone. Yeah. Like children almost. People ask me why you do what you do now. It's all from them days.
1: And even though the mid didn't sound like punk rock, as much as most bands, most hardcore bands during the 80s, they acted like a
3: punk rock band, and they were the spirit of punk rock more than anybody else. And whenever I listen to Double was on the dime, I just want to drive a van up and down the Pacific Coast Highway and blast that album. It's a great show. Thanks, guys. I'm a victim of factless and the girl,
2: but the world was wrong.
3: Hi, my name's Rick. I live in Nashville, Tennessee. I just caught your interview with Mike Watt and that double nickels on the
0: dime album has changed my perspective on punk rock when the first time I picked
3: it up at fifteen small town in Tennessee, you catch something that cool and and you can't compare it to anything else and it just drove me to
2: continue
3: to find every kind of music the- This is punk rock. Talking Heads is punk rock. Man, what else is there? But yeah, right, Mike Watt, man. Rock and roll. Hi, my name is Dave. I'm from Chicago.
0: And I wanted to say that you guys did an excellent job with the interview with Mike Watt last week. And I believe that a debt is owed to Black Flag and SST Records for helping to bring the Minutemen to, to some level of popularity they were big major champions of the band back in the day and were often seen right in front of the stage at the shows in hollywood
2: gimme 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 i need some more gimme 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 go ask what for one two three four stand here like loaded gun
3: I was just calling. I just listened to the interview with the gentleman from the Minutemen, and there was kind of the question posed at the end of that about who do you know who's Jammin' Econo right now. And a couple weeks ago, I was at this show, and I saw this band. They're calling themselves Jesse and the Revelator. And they have an album it was mostly recorded while the one member was away with the Peace Corps. He just kind of had a microphone. A statue to you And the servitude that you allow me But yeah, yeah I uh, thought that they had a, a really cool kind of down-and-dirty, lo-fi, grassroots sort of story. And that really comes through in music now. So, pass that along. Great. Thanks for the program. Really enjoy it. Bye. We got
1: To give us your opinions on sound opinions, call our hotline 888 859 1800. We'll be back next week with more Sound Opinions, produced by WBEZ Chicago and distributed by PRX.